1: Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman and this is your Safeway Open Preview, event number one of the super season. Joining me to break it all down. I'll bring them in one at a time. Kyle Porter, congratulations. You enjoyed 16 hours off from, from one season to another. What was, how how long was that off season? The question, does the super season,
2: are we in the middle of it or is this the beginning of it? Because it's kind of like an elongated, it's like a hundred event season, right?
1: Well, yeah. I mean, how many, how many events did we have after the restart? 11, 12. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you can almost argue this is like a 62 event season. Yeah, if you start there. That's a good point. And everybody keeps, I, I,
2: you know, one of the things about the Safeway, and we'll get into it, but one of the exciting things is normally guys that are on the corn ferry, they're <laughs> sure like, oh, yeah, Davis Riley, love to see him. <laughs> Davis Riley's still on the on the corn ferry tour. He's not going to be playing on the PGA tour. So I think that's one thing that we kind of miss out on with, and you know, that's nobody's fault, but it just is kind of a, a crappy part of this whole deal.
1: Yeah, this is where we'd have a bunch of new graduates coming up, making their first career starts or, you know, trying to earn those points. Now it's just Jordan Spieth trying to earn enough points to get okay. to like Okay, okay. You, you, yeah, you write him up. <laughs> Time stamp. Freaking well, it was a minute cut. and 22 seconds oh, hey. in. Oh, freaking first cut. Golly. Greg <laughs> Ducharme, welcome to the show, sir. We are, yeah, this is it. Super season, 50 events, the most in a single season since 1975. My question is, what, what was going on in 1975? What, what happened that they had 50 events?
3: you're asking you're asking the wrong guy i i don't know um i'll have to look into that it's very interesting um but this is going to be a fun year i mean it's jam-packed wall-to-wall as you can see there's no time for an off season we'll have a little break in in december but other other than that i mean uh it seems like we're going to be spending a lot of time together which I, i hope you guys feel the same way i'm pretty
1: excited about it same pretty amped up the chase for the 2020 FedEx cup begins right now. And KP, obviously there were different circumstances last year, last season, I should say of why these early events became even more important. I mean, we're talking about five of the seven fall winners uh, making it to the tour championship in 2018 and then eight of 10 last year, making it to, the tour championship. So this has always been an important time but I think that players are starting to treat it that way more 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 recently.
2: Yeah, and it's going to it's going to be important for different reasons this year which is US Open and Masters are over the next 3 months, right? So while it last like the last couple of years it's important for your Brendan Todds who by the way this time last year was ranked like 570 in the world or something. Uh, your Sebastian Munoz, even a guy like Joaquin Neiman, who I think is a kind of a star, but who breaks out in the fall, which we've seen a ton, right? Um, it's going to be more important for your John Rahm, Justin Thomas, those type of guys this time around. So that, that's one sort of nuance or quirk to this schedule that, uh, we've never really seen before.
1: Yeah, it is, it is something wacky, and and uh, Greg, I want to bring you in on this as well. I mean, th- we mentioned some of those winners from the fall portion of the schedule last year. Joaquin Neiman wins your first event. Sebastian Munoz, Cam, Ch- Cam Champ, is not even going to be here to defend his title. There's literally zero golfers from the Tour Championship last week in the field this week, which I guess makes sense because this is your rest week before the U.S. Open. The Safeway kind of gets uh, uh, a little bit sandwiched here with with the schedule.
3: It absolutely does. Um, It's a, I would say a a tough break field wise to get this spot in the schedule, Um, but it's still an important event. And, and what happens when you win an event like this is you're very likely to get to the tour championship. Your odds go way up. And um, part of the reason is, and I think this is a nice job by the PGA tour. They have um, equal points. I mean, this is full field points as far as FedEx Cup points and and some people I have heard some rumblings of people disagreeing with that saying the FedEx Cup points should mirror the um the strength of, of field and, and they should change week to week based on who's playing but I think the the PGA Tour can use an ev- uh can use the FedEx Cup points and the structured format that they have to bring players into an event like this to make an event like this really important not just the Safeway but all the events in the fall that uh, in a year like this aren't major championships and it gives players incentive. And if you are a player like uh, Rory McIlroy, a uh, Tiger Woods, a uh, Justin Thomas, um, when, when you start the year in the calendar year, as many of them used to do, you find yourself way back in FedEx cup points and it's a, it, it becomes a disadvantage. So what happens? Well, they start to play a little bit more in the fall. They start to sprinkle in two or three events in the fall and it can become really advantageous. So I really like the setup, uh, and it speaks to the importance of of every event, uh, even an event like this. Can you guys imagine if
2: in the NBA they were like, hey, uh, congratulations, Warriors, on your seven-game finals win. We got uh, Celtic, Celtics Rockets on Thursday night to kick <laughs> off the news. Like, I feel like we, we sort of blow past like how weird it is that – And it's it's very different because it's golf, but it's just, it's so weird that we're like already talking about a new season.
1: Well, it is going to be weird in the NBA because what they're going to start their next season, I think around Christmas time. So it is going to be, they're still going to have an off season, but like the ripple effects of sporting sports this year will be felt for multiple years. Well,
2: and I'm, so one of the deals was always like attending a U.S. Open in June. We almost always like on Saturday night or Sunday night would write during like a finals game six or game seven Oakmont in 16, it was game seven of the Warriors Cavs uh, finals when, when LeBron and when Cleveland won at golden state. So that was one thing that I, I sort of, you have like this weird sports like calendar rhythm in your head and it's Mm -hmm. just, it's all over the place now.
1: It is. Um, Greg, this is also kind of been deemed the Brendan Steele Open, so he wins it. He wins it back to back years. We need, we need a list of all the the Webb Simpson Invitational, the Brendan Steele Open. He wins it back to back in seasons 2016 and 2017, but obviously the years are a little bit different there. And then this is this is Silverado. This is like a pure resort course, Greg. This is a, a hit and giggle, I think, right? I mean, this is no uh, no rough out there. Go make as many birdies as you can. Am I right here? Well, it's, it's fun. Uh, <laughs> greens are
3: a little bit tricky, uh, so it, it's definitely an enjoyable event. You get some fast greens that are slopy. Johnny Miller has has coined them as Augusta-like, and with his involvement, <laughs> easy, in the place, Johnny. I,
0: yeah,
3: <laughs> I mean it, it may be a little bit extreme, um, but look, I I, I I enjoy the event. I don't think it gets crazy out. Of, I don't think you're going to see anybody reach 30 under par. Um, but the challenge is far different than it was at Eastlake, far different than it was at, um, at, at Olympia Fields, no question about it. And, and he, probably the farthest different that it'll be next week at Wingfoot. So um, it, it's an exciting event. I, I do think there are some tee shots. A guy like Phil Mickelson can get a lot out of this week hitting some of these tee shots that are a little bit on the narrower side. But um, all in all, you're looking at a golf course that's under 7,200 yards and it's a par 72. You have four par fives in there. So it, it's definitely on the shorter side. Uh, and I guess some some tricky greens are, are really the only defense.
2: Didn't is, uh, didn't Phil contend while hitting like
3: 15 fairways a
1: couple of years ago? Wasn't that a thing? Yes.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what was that? Two years ago, he came and tied third, and he hit hardly any fairways. It was, it was incredible. Yeah, uh, the thing, it's really about the tree. You got to keep it within the trees. Yeah. And you got to give yourself – you know, when you're talking about no rough, if you are in the trees, you can work it around. So a guy like Phil, he did this at, in Mexico too. Yes. Um, yes. when he won in Mexico, everybody was talking about how important the accuracy was going to be. Cause it is tree lined and quite narrow, but yet a guy like Phil for, for some reason, trees, tree line golf courses with light rough, they, they have a way of, um, of kind of raising the imagination. And it helps a guy like Phil and Dustin Johnson has said the same thing too. It kind of shapes a tee shot for you. So uh, maybe a little bit narrower, but I think the players like it off the tee. Greg, are you pro tree or anti tree? Cause I've heard Paul Azinger
2: talk about how pro tree he is over the last few weeks, but other people are kind of anti tree. That's more the, I don't know, the minimalist design that we've seen over the last decade or so. What's your, what's your stance?
3: It's a great conversation. Um, there, there are certain places, of course, if you're by the ocean, if you're near the water, I think, um, you have a higher chance of wind picking up and it's, it's fine to have no trees. Trees make a golf course more difficult. There's a little question in my mind about that, but on the other side, it, it, hinders the viewing experience. And when you have very little trees, you can see things. You think about some of our best amphitheaters in the game and you have a place like the players championship where uh, you have some areas where there's very limited trees and you can see a lot of the greens, the travelers championship down by 15 and 17 T um, and and 16 green. You can see a lot of that property. So it becomes very enjoyable to watch. Um, So I, I would say, I would say uh, trees make it more difficult, but I don't think that's necessarily important. I I like to let the guys play. I, I don't like too many trees. Yeah.
1: I want to talk about Phil Mickelson, but first I want to let you know that you do not need to be an expert to know that consolidating credit card debt into one low fixed rate can save you money. Start saving today with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Lightstream's fixed rate credit card consolidation loans start at 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. Lower than the average credit card interest rate of over 19% APR. Get a loan from $5,000 to 100,000 with absolutely no fees Take it from this user who said, quote, I heard a commercial checked into a consolidation loan and just a few hours later had my approval and funds ready to be transferred. Awesome. Our listeners can save even more with an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get this discount is to go to lightstream.com slash cut. That's L I G H T R. Nope. L I G H T S T R E A M.com slash cut subject to credit approval rate includes 0.5% auto pay discount terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash cut for more information. Phil Mickelson back in action, coming off the heels of his victory on the champions tour and Kyle, he has been listed as a co-favorite at 20-1 to with C Wu, Kim, your reaction?
2: I saw that. Do you think Phil has any credit card debt he
1: needs consolidating right now? I don't know. I thought that was a pretty good segue from the credit card consolidation to Phil. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, the Phil,
2: I I just – it's sort of like what we do with – we talked about this a little on Monday night It's sort of what we do with Fowler where it's kind of like the name outweighs the, the like just where he's at right now. But at the same time, it's easy to envision him kind of showing up for a couple of days and, and, and playing really well. So we're, we're definitely in this like middle, middle ground, this gray area of, okay, not what he used to be and not what he's going to be when he's just not really competitive at all. Mm. i just don't know if if we see it for four straight rounds i mean people i saw i heard somebody on the on the pga championship broadcast say i think phil's gonna win wing foot <laughs> and i was like the at the u.s open or is there a member <laughs> guest that i'm unaware of <laughs> like I, I i just that to me seems incredibly nonsensical right now now could he be competitive at silverado in a field that's not you know, what he it's there's no DJ, there's no John Rom. I, I think so. I, I just don't know that we're I don't know in terms of being the favorite if if we're getting four rounds out of him that you know, where he's gonna be the champ.
1: Yeah, that's the, the winged foot thing is is bonkers. Uh, that, that, I think that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, you understand what the odds makers have to do, Greg. They have yeah. to install Phil at 20 to 1 here so they don't get burned, right? If he's 50 to 1 and everybody bets on him or whatever, because it is a field with a lot of, or with not a lot of household names. And I guess the. Idea is he's played well enough around Silverado. If he's ever going to compete anywhere, it's going to be a resort style course where you can kind of just hit it wherever you want and see what happens. I get it. But like this is, this isn't the Champions Tour. No, no disrespect to those guys. I mean, this is a full field of 154 guys who are all really good.
3: Yeah. It's a great point, Rick. Um, We look at some of these, some of these players and we almost look down on them because we talk so much about the DJs and and when these guys when many of these players get into really big fields they they have a hard time competing, but it doesn't mean that they're um, that they're less than players they are, Fully capable. I mean, you talk about a guy like Keegan Bradley who goes out there and makes nine birdies at Wingfoot. These players are all capable of shooting really low scores. Joel Damon in the field, who um, who we haven't, you know, he's, it's not like he's the runaway favorite. He shot what a, a fifty. He shot a fifty-eight this year. I mean, yeah. I know it wasn't in a PGA Tour event, but it just highlights how talented these players are. You look at a Will Gordon who all of a sudden is contending at the Travelers with, ironically, with Phil. Um, and, and he's in the field and he's a guy that a lot of people aren't really looking at. So the depth on the PGA tour is extreme and everyone in the field is really good. Um, well, go ahead.
2: Yeah, I think, I mean, who, okay. Just, I'll, I'll ask you guys who's better right now, Harold Varner or Phil.
1: I think it's very clearly how Harold Varner. Yeah. He finished
2: eighth on the PGA tour and strokes, gained T to green. He was ahead yeah. of DJ, by the way. That's in, that's crazy. Uh, okay. Uh, Eric van, R- I, well, I shouldn't say his name cause Mark will make fun of me, but Eric van <laughs> Funruin. I don't know if <laughs> I said that right. Funruin e- ruin or, EBR. or, yeah. So it's, it, it's like, and this is where I think this is where data helps you because you look at it and you can kind of separate that from the emotion of liking Phil or what Phil has done in the past and look at the
3: last 10 events or the last 20 events and say, and he's kind of been mediocre. But in terms of that, what he's done in the past and what the odds makers have to do, you you have to consider at some point it's, what players are capable of. And if you yeah. get yourself into contention, if Phil all, all of a sudden finds himself, uh, you know, two up the lead on Sunday, there aren't a lot of guys in this field who are established winners. Phil's won 40, what, 44 times on the PGA Tour so he, he is an established winner. If he gets himself into contention, if he's playing well, he's fully capable of getting the job done. So you have to protect against that to some degree. What's the likelihood that he gets himself into contention? It's probably a lot lower than that name. But mm-hmm. his, his history, the fact that he just won on the Champions Tour, uh, PGA Tour Champions, forgive me. Um, <laughs> that, that, I mean, that has a, a real value. And forgiven. it's really important because here, here's another question, Rick. We talk about this all the time. Do you take a guy who has great recent form or a great course history? A player who's, what would
1: you say? It's always recent form for me. Always it's, recent form. It's always recent form.
3: And that's, that's because they're confident. They're, they're playing well. They know they're confident. They can handle shots. And when you win, when you're Phil Mickelson, it doesn't matter if the event you win is less than, you feel confident. He's feeling good. And when Phil feels good, it's dangerous. So I, I understand to a degree where the odds are. I just I'm not I'm not gonna bet him to, to win the event. Yeah, I think that's really well
2: said, Greg. I, I think the interesting question when it comes to recent form is do you take um, a Ches Revie with great recent form? or a Justin Thomas who has bad recent form but whose baseline is higher and you think that they'll rebound at some point. I think that, to me, is where – and I don't know where Phil falls on that because he's kind of in between both of those. Um, but I don't know. I, 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 it, there's so many different ways to look at this.
1: That, that's definitely a more interesting comparison, Kyle. And and I think also – I mean, we, we have to say – Odds makers aren't trying to predict the results of the tournament. Right. They're trying right. to print money, right? So they're or they're <laughs> trying to, or they're trying to avoid a massive payout. They're not predicting the outcome saying Siwoo is going to finish first, Phil's going to finish second, Brandon Steele is going to finish third. They're not trying to do that. Um, they do have Jordan Spieth listed at 30 to 1 to win this golf tournament. He is currently ranked 67th in the official world golf rankings. And Kyle, if I tell you that, you know that this is a very critical moment for him because once you drop out of that 70 and you stop getting the invites to the WGC's, we've seen world rankings can kind of drop like a rock after that if you're not playing well. So this is a very important moment in time and season for Jordan Spieth.
2: I feel like we've said that like seven <laughs> times. So I, I mean, you're not wrong, but it just feels like we keep saying that and he keeps not playing well. I, I just, it, it's, it's difficult to, it's difficult to understand how somebody wins three majors and then starts. It's not like, it'd be different if you won one major and kind of, you know, just popped up during a week, and you are know, like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. So good. So, but, but it was like four years of just lights out play and then the lights got yeah. turned off and, and it I just, I don't know. I mean, does anybody think Jordan Spee's is going to be good this season? I, I don't, I don't think you can say that with a straight face.
3: Not no, a lot there's of evidence. no evidence for it. Right. And so this is the thing that I've noticed with Jordan looking at some of his data and I don't have it all in front of me right now, but I consider Jordan Spieth, when he's trying to figure out his game, is playing a game called Whack-A-Mole. Have you ever heard of (laughs) Whack-A-Mole?
1: Yes. Yes. (laughs)
3: Okay. So we're all familiar. Good. So he basically has gone from, in in 2016, when the shot happened at the Masters, he and and Cameron Cormick went on a mission to solve that problem uh, of of that shot that could come out to the right. And his strategy was basically, I'm going to aim straight, falls a little left, falls a little right. It's okay. It doesn't matter. Then all of a sudden, it, it falls a little right in a moment when it can't fall to the right. And so now they decide that they need to go on a, a mission to solve it. Well, the very next year, in 2017, he's second in strokes gain approach uh, on the PGA Tour. So they yes. yeah, they, they achieved that goal. They they, they improved the iron play, and he ends up winning a major. That same year, the putting slipped a little bit. And I want to say he fell from somewhere around so maybe 11th to like 39th or something. And it slipped a little bit. And then the next year, as they continue on their ball striking path, it slips it to 123rd in 2018. Then 2019, it comes back to second. But his ball striking, really, it it plummets. It takes a, a hit. It doesn't improve. Now they go back to work on the ball striking. They're clearly working on that now and have been this season. Now the putting slips all the way to 111th last year. But he's hitting, he's like in in the 150th in in all these categories and greens of regulation and strokes can't approach the green. uh, in, In driving accuracy, it's just abysmal in all these categories. And they're at a point now where they're searching and they are working so hard. And the guys that are ready to win, the guys that are in position, are they're just not working that hard. Dustin Johnson has to call his coach to to get a uh, a fix. His he's hit, he hits two fairways. He's got to get a fix. Well, he stands a little closer to the ball and he hits eleven fairways the next day. It's not that simple for Jordan right now, and <sighs> and that is a real that's a real problem. There's so many things that he has to work on. It, it's almost like he's overwhelmed. So I, I have real concerns. Do you? So,
2: do you think his problem was trying to get rid of that extreme right miss? Is that what you're saying off the top there?
3: Um, my problem is, I, I not necessarily. I'm fine with players trying to improve a shot because in that round in 2016, he missed to the right on a number of occasions. I mean, he hit a tree on number four. You're he talking about hit it out a, of bounds on four. You're talking about the final round at Augusta. Yes. Okay. And so we, everybody highlights that shot on number 12, but he also, he hit it to the right on number four, almost out of bounds. I mean, way right on number eight, he hits it uh, right of the bunker um, and then hit it right of the bunker off the tee. So now he has to kind of chip one up there. It's an ugly shot. He ends up making a birdie and basically he missed right on 11. So throughout this round he's missing to the right and he's getting away with it until the one time when he can't miss it. Right. And he can't stop it. So he wants to get a little control of his golf ball. And and it's not that he's trying to fix that problem because I do believe that's a problem and it's something that needed to be straightened out. But where does the time get allocated elsewhere? And when you start focusing on one thing and now you're trying to plug the hole in the boat or you're trying to get the, the mole over here on the right and then another one pops up, now you got a real problem and now you're chasing. I think the interesting part about that
2: is and that's really good insight greg i think the interesting part is i've always looked at speeth as sort of having a unique swing it's not it's not a pretty swing necessarily but it's very unique to him and to who he is and i think when you think about unique swings you think about somebody like a, like a furick or like a, even a matthew Wolf, and they, they don't guys like that don't tend to get lost with their swing very much. Like has Furick ever been lost? I mean, he, he, it's, it's just the same thing for 30 straight years, you know, and, and there, yeah. there, have been, there have been times, but it, it's weird to me that of all the things that have kind of gone for speed, that it would be the swing and not, I, I would have thought it would be more the short game. Cause you, you're like, okay, well this can't, <laughs> you can't, you can't keep, you know, continuing at this level with your short game. So that's the part that I, I it, it feels as much mental. And we've talked about this a million times, but it feels as much mental as anything else.
1: It, it, it really does. And I want to um, open this up to a question that we got on iTunes. So if you go and leave a rating and review, drop a little five-star rating and review, ask a question in Apple podcasts, we'll answer it here on the show. And I've got one from Bracketologist. And it's, it's pretty straightforward. Will Jordan Spieth ever win again? Is it time to seriously consider that there's a chance he never wins again? His game is lost. He can't drive the ball in the fairway two times in a row. He has a fantastic short game, but as they say, this is like my favorite quote, by the way, two things that don't last are dogs that chase cars and pros that chip for pars for for pars, chip and putt for pars. I ruined my favorite quote. Uh, so I guess the question is KP, we'll start with you on this. Um, I don't know if it's, does he ever win on the PGA tour again? Because I think there's a pretty good chance, but like, what is the chances that he doesn't, is there a 10 or 15% chance he never wins again, which I also think would be astronomical considering what we've seen in his career.
2: I mean, there's certainly a chance. There's, there's a chance that (laughs) that everybody on the PGA tour does. There's a chance that DJ JT, those guys don't win again. It's just a matter of how much, and I I don't, uh, I, I think so. Two things. One, what is the comp? historically like who 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 has been this good and then fallen off and then come back later in the career i i I say that not having researched it at all and i have no idea and i think too and this is something that we don't talk about a ton I, i i would be interested and maybe justin ray has done this of the guys that have won i don't know three or more majors maybe four or more how how bunched together were they right because so arnold palmer i think it was only like a 5 year span where he won all of his majors kepka it's been like a 3 year span
1: patty harrington padrick harrington three, yeah pa-
2: yeah padrick harrington like you, you look at, and and that's why tiger like the the breadth of his career is almost as crazy as just the, the sheer numbers so i don't know i i i think that he will win i think he will win again on the pga tour just because of how many opportunities he's going to get. But I, I do yeah. think that the bigger question is, will he win a major again? And I think that question is starting to be more of a real question.
1: Well, what's really interesting about that, and I think I, I don't know if there is a comp, um, because Greg, you, you got to think there's 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 plenty of guys who've won like multiple times in a short period of time, and then you never hear from them again. But the how good Jordan was for a multi-year stretch and then how how bad he's been, for a multi-year stretch is kind of, I don't, I don't have another comparison to it. And then to try to look forward and say, okay, now does that player get back to the good side of it? Like it, it really is kind of unfathomable where we're, where we're at
3: he's, uh, he's so young. That's the, the biggest advantage for him, but it's also why it's hard to find a comp who is experienced. There are many players who experienced the success that he experienced at his age. And that's why he rose to the stardom that he did uh, and deservingly. So, so I think you're going to have a really hard time finding a comp. I would love to know if somebody did, but typically players are are, are getting to the point where they would even be in the conversation a little bit later in their career. And so there's less time for a fall off and an increase again on the other side. I mean, players have done things like like switch equipment and you never really hear from them again. There's, there's tons of stories of that, but it's usually not at the age that you're seeing with Jordan Spieth. So I, I would bet you're going to have a hard time finding a comp. But to the question, will he win again? I think there are a lot of things that can happen in somebody's life. And, and life and golf go together. Right now, things are complicated for Jordan. And I think there'll be a moment. Maybe it takes something like wh- what happened with Rory, where, where he has a, he decides to have children, and it calms him down, and it changes his perspective. And there are, are very um, unique things that can happen in this game that can kind of flip a switch for you. I don't think that talent, that raw talent that he has, is going anywhere. I don't think his drive, I don't think his um, the grit that he has. I mean, how many times has he hit one out of bounds and then made a birdie on the next hole or hit one out of bounds and scrambled to make a bogey? He continues to do these things, which are glimmers of hope. And he needs something to click. And when he does, I believe he wins again. And I think, I think he could um, put together a, a nice kind of second portion of his career at some point, because I do think he's that good. I just, there, there's no sign that it's coming right now.
2: I hope so. I mean, it's it's so fun when he's I mean, remember when he got kind of in the mix at uh, Colonial, like right after the restart yeah. and you're yeah. like, oh, this, he's hollering at Greller and like it's just a kind of a circus. But it was just it was such a blast. It's so much fun to have him mixing it up with with some of the other guys.
1: The game is certainly better when he is good. Uh, All right, gentlemen, we're going to do our matchup challenge, which we are on a clean slate, thank goodness for me. We'll do expert picks, one-and-done leans, and best bets on the other side. But
0: first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.
1: With the Monday finish of the Tour Championship, Greg, you and I did not have a chance to do a full DFS preview for the Safeway Open, so we have submitted our plays and fades to producer Jacob, and he's going to tweet them out and post them on Instagram, so make sure to follow at Pod for all of that information, and we're also going to detail some matchups right now and our best bets. so let's jump into this, boys. We're all even again. Kyle, your matchup belt no longer matters. You got to you got to get right back in the ring this year and and have at it again. Are you, are you ready for that?
2: I wish you get two for a 50 <laughs> event season.
1: Yeah, we really should. Uh, all right, here we go. Phil Mickelson minus 105 versus C Woo Kim at minus 120 Greg, we'll start with you. I'm going to
3: go first matchup bet of the season I'm taking a chance in style of Phil Mickelson I'm going Phil I think he's going to have a really strong week this week uh, and I think it's just going to get the stories flying about the U.S. Open at Wingfoot which is a story for a different day but I'm going to take a chance on Phil I think he's really confident right now
2: how do I pre how do I fade like can I make money on shorting Phil at Wingfoot is that possible? <laughs> yeah right
1: like come on uh I, I, yeah, if we figure out a way, we'll do it. Um, I'm I'm actually also on Phil this week because you're talking about two of some of the more volatile golfers that we have in this field. Siwoo Kim and Phil Mickelson. Like I'm not thrilled to to go with either of them. I'll take the guy, Kyle, that is uh, has played well around Silverado before.
2: Yeah, I, that's that's fair. I, I, I'm I can't quit Siwoo. I just am enamored with the talent and uh, he's played well. T13 at the PGA, top five at Wyndham. I think he was T50 50, 50 at, at Northern Trust, something like that. But uh, I, I do like what this week.
1: Brendan Steele, the namesake, minus 125 versus Jordan Spith. Wow, Jordan Smith put some respect on it yeah. at plus 100. I'm actually going to take Jordan Spith. So I have this weird thing, and I felt the same way about Colonial too, which is I trust Jordan Spith to work very, very hard and try to figure out what's wrong whether he can actually do it or not is a completely different story, but I trust him to grind. And Greg, you kind of alluded to this too. He, he bounces back. He's a grinder. We know that. I think that if you're ever going to get value on Spieth, it's always like the first event in X period of time. It's like, why well, I thought he would be good at colonial, going back to a place that he had success. He had 91 days off. This is shorter than that, but I feel like if you're ever getting value on Spieth, it is like, um, like the first event of something. So I'll take him, Greg.
3: The only thing I'll say to that is uh, Colonial is a place he's played really well. And even the year before when he wasn't playing very well, he came and tied eighth there. So um, I look at it, I'm not sure about Safeway for Jordan. I think it's going to be a tough one for him. And I think Brendan Steele, not only has he won here twice, he's playing pretty well. He had a really nice end of the season. So I like Brendan Steele. I think it's a a home run of a bet. In fact, I think, uh, spoiler alert, this is my best bet of of,
1: of the week spoiler alert there you go best bet of the week uh kp
2: uh steel i get concerned about speeth off the tee getting wayward and that's just a place where uh because of the tree it, it it can go it can go pretty poorly so i'll go brennan steel
1: kyle we'll stick with you here sergio garcia versus shane lowry both minus 110
2: uh, how about this, guys? Sergio had as many top fives in Strokes gain T to green as he did on the PGA tour last season.
1: Wait, wait. Say that again. He had as many what?
2: He has he he finished top five in strokes gain T to green, and he only had one top five in a PGA tour event last season.
1: Wow. was oh, for the whole year. I, I see that, what you're saying. How is that possible? Well, I, I would guess that he can't putt. He was hundred he was hundred and eighty
2: <laughs> seventh in putting.
1: Wow. I knew it was bad. I didn't think it
2: was that bad. You, you would almost just back your way into something. I mean, one top, it was one top 10, actually. It was at uh, what,
3: Harbor- RBC Heritage.
2: Yeah. Harbortown. So I don't know. I, I, I mean, he's hit the That's ball funny. well and I don't, yeah, maybe the numbers are wrong. I, I don't know. I was stunned. Um, so I'll go, I'll go Sergio. He's hitting the ball really well.
3: Greg. I'm going to go with Shane Lowry. I think Shane Lowry's kind of playing some, some good golf. I think the Open Championship celebration has subsided at this point. He played really well in Memphis. And I, I think Shane Lowry is a really good player. And our perception of him is uh, a, little bit, a little bit different, kind of like a one-hit wonder. And I think he's a little better than that. So I'm, I'm going to go Lowry.
1: Sergio Garcia lost strokes putting in every single event last season, except for one in which he gained basically a half a stroke in four rounds at WGC Mexico. That is, that's incredible. It's appalling.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's almost, you, you almost can't do
1: it. Like it's almost impossible. Like Keegan Bradley's better than that. Or at, <laughs> least, he'll, or at least he'll have like a tournament where he'll game two or three. That's really bad. I did not know it was that bad. I will also take Shane Lowry. That's crazy. And,
3: and you guys say that putty is volatile. Well, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be. Sergio was
1: just bad or really bad. It, was, it just kept bouncing back yeah. and forth.
3: Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Uh,
1: I forgot. Okay. Brand Snedeker minus 120 versus Cameron Davis minus 105. I'll start here. I'm going with Cam Davis. Um, I think you get a little bit of value. Snedeker hasn't been good. In fact, he is uh, one of the. So this is kind of a weird stat. But if you go since the restart, there's only a handful of uh, golfers who have lost strokes to the field that are like less than 50 to one. So basically all the guys that have lost per round are like 200 to one to win this golf tournament. Snedeker is like one of the only few guys, him and Keegan Bradley that have lost. Otherwise Cameron Davis popped up at a couple of leaderboards. He's building that scar tissue up. Uh, I like the way he is trending 25 years old. Love it. KP.
2: I like him too. Uh, he, he's a little Thomas Peters, like just build and and swing and off the tee. Uh, I like Cam Davis.
3: Greg, I'm with you guys. I love Cam Davis this week. Um, he he's played some really good golf lately. He was 12th at the 3M with four rounds in the sixties. He was tied 32nd at Barracuda tied 15th at the Wyndham with three straight 65s to end the tournament. Um, and then he backed it up at the Northern Trust 64-65 in the first two rounds, 72-73 over the weekend, which was a little tough for him, but he was in a new spot, a spot that uh, was a a challenge for him, and I think that's the scar tissue that you referenced, Rick.
1: Speaking of guys that can't putt, Emiliano Grillo, minus 125, who actually won this event in 2015 when it was called the – anyone? Anyone? Fries.com? fries.com. There you go. Craig Ducharme. You got it. Uh, Emiliano Grillo versus Chez Revy. Greg, you got it right. We'll start with you.
3: I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Chez Revy. I I think he's confident. I don't Emiliano. I really like him um, and he can put together some good weeks, but every time I go with him, he just, he lets me down Uh, and Chez Revy. I feel like he's just the opposite. Every time I go with him, he he tends to do really well. So I'm going to go with Chez steady player. Like him this week.
2: Yeah, I'm also uh, Shay Reve. Uh he plays well at this course and you know, he he I don't know, it's hard. He 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 kind of popped up around I think it was Memorial 3M. He had a couple of good tournaments and then faded a little down the stretch into the playoffs, but weaker field uh success at this event. I I like I like Chesrivi.
1: Yeah, so do I. Make it make it 3 in a row. Um yeah, finished 6th at, at- at FedEx St. Jude uh, and started to get it together a lot down the stretch and into the playoffs. Keegan Bradley -110 versus Bud Callaway -110. Kyle, we'll start with you.
2: I just have like no opinion on this. I'll go with <laughs> I'll go with I'll go with Bud Cawley.
1: Um I also went with Bud Cawley. So, here's I don't know if I mentioned this at the top. This is one of the shorter par 72s you can get on the PGA Tour. I believe it's the third shortest par 72 behind Pebble and I forget. But uh, Kali's not a long hitter might be an interesting place for him to contend a little bit. I'll take Bud Colley. Greg will take.
3: So I, uh, I've had a, a fortune of playing with Bud Colley, and I love the guy. Yeah. Um, and on your note of, of how he's not a long hitter, we were playing and I was sitting I, I, I hit it out there pretty far. Not, I'm no, I'm no bomber, but I hit it pretty far and I was keeping up with him. Like Bryce, we're hitting, hitting the same clubs. Just a little, maybe. Uh, I'm similar with Bryson with irons, I'm just not quite as long off the
1: team. yours. Is, <laughs> yours, more, <laughs> yours is
3: more of an effortless power, isn't it though? Greg? Yeah, yeah, that's right. I don't, I don't, I just don't try as hard as Bryson. That's right. all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm keeping up with Bud. We're hitting same clubs into par threes, I'm right there with him, and it, w- it was a shotgun start. We started on two, and all of a sudden, we get to 18, we have 18 and one to play. And he just lets loose. He, and he hits it 50 by me on both of these two tee shots. It, it was like a completely new gear. I, mean, I was within 10 or ten or 15 yards of him on every single tee shot until on 18 and 1, he just... Completely sent it. So very interesting. But all that being said, I'm going to go with a, a local story of Keegan Bradley making <laughs> nine birdies at Wingfoot. I think he's I think he's feeling that, pretty confident.
2: Referenced the nine birdies at Wingfoot
3: like six times since it yeah, happened. At least two today awesome. uh, and and once yesterday too. Wait, I believe so. Real quick,
2: what what's what is what does a pro like that? Because I, I've I mean I played with a couple, but not not like what you have what do they do that that people who are watching like don't don't like don't realize or don't completely understand
3: well like, what, what do they do well so the players that i typically um compete with let's say they're club pros right we're guys that can shoot even par maybe a couple under but we don't have that extra gear we're somewhere between i would say 70 and um, from 70 and 78 somewhere. Well, Bud, for Bud Colley, you just, you don't, you're not blown away by uh, uh, any shots that he really hits. Maybe there's a couple where you're like, wow, but it's, it, it doesn't blow you away. It's the consistency. It's the steadiness. It's one after another good shot, bud, good shot, bud, Oh, good <laughs> shot, bud. And you kind of get to the end and all of a sudden it's 69. So what yeah. I would say is it's, it, it's it, it incredibly impressive ball striking, but it's, it's relative but it's the way that they put the round together and all of a sudden they know how to score and they miss a couple greens and then they chip it. They, they chip one in or they make a 20 footer and they just chip away at a round where, um, where we d- really don't, we have to hit a great shot to make a birdie. They can make a birdie on a bad shot and they know, yeah. they know how to score. And that's, yeah. that's really the, the biggest difference.
1: Well, their misses, sure. their misses are always so much better. I mean, Justin Thomas hit the worst shot in the history of golf, and it was a 45 footer for, for Birdie. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's how we know. Uh, Joel Damon minus 125 versus Doc Redmond plus 100. These are like my two favorite golfers in the entire world. So I, I'm going to wait till the end. KP, you're up.
2: Yeah, I like Redmond. You know, Redmond is somebody I was looking at guys who've made the biggest move over the last, like since the start of 2020, like who moved from outside the top 100 into it. Uh, and he's one of the guys that, that's up there with Jim Herman. Um, I think Brendan Steele moved from outside the top 300 to inside the top uh, 100. So uh, Doc Redmond's trajectory over the last nine months has been really good. And I, I get Damon's so volatile. You're like, oh, he, I mean, he shoots 64, but he could go the other way. So I, I, I think I'm going to go consistency with Doc.
1: I like that Doc has done it without a win. Just keeps, keeps grinding along. Yeah. Um, Greg, we'll go to you. Uh, Joel Damon, I, to me,
3: he's, he's really reliable. I, I understand what you're saying about the inconsistency round to round to round, but uh, I feel like his finishes, and maybe it's just a perception of mine, I feel like his finishes are pretty steady, and I, I, he's constantly a better player than he is rated. So I, I like Damon for a, a similar reason, um, which may be perception, but I, I think Joel Damon is, um, is the play here.
1: I, I love doc. He's a great ball striker, but I've opted for Joel Damon here. Uh, Three top twenties in his last four starts. And there are certainly no scrub events. It's FedEx St. Jude it's PGA championship. It's BMW championship. I like the way he sets up this week. And then our final one, gentlemen, Kevin Streelman versus here we go. Eric fun. Ruyen. There you go. I'll have to get a score on that later. Uh, Both of them minus minus one ten. Greg, you're up. I like Streelman. Uh, I, I
3: feel like, well, he's played well a couple times here in the past. Um, so I think he's really steady TD Green. And I, I am just not sure about EVR when when it comes to his play in the States. It's been a little inconsistent. And I'm not sure this is the week where it really pops off. I'm, I'm going to go with Streelman. Th-
1: this might be a blind spot for me where, like, EVR hasn't played since the PGA Championship, and I'm like, like, what do I do with this? Like, you know, I, I like Stroman, who I've at least seen play. He pops up at Travelers, he can pop at times. So I'm also going to take Stroman, but that might be a blind spot for me, Kyle.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm on Stroman as well. Again, trajectory thing for me. Just started the year so low. He's been playing very consistently and 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 very well throughout the year. um So yeah, I'll go I'll go Kevin Stroman. Not to
3: mention the history here. And he can go crazy low, too, just to add that. I mean, Strelman will pop off a 63 in a heartbeat, so I think that bodes well for him.
1: Expert picks. Uh, Let's start with sleepers, boys. And, Greg, we're going to start with you. I love your sleeper. Denny McCarthy,
3: uh, Denny McCarthy could be the guy who wins this event and ends up in a tour championship. He's known for his putting, and rightly so. Um, he led the tour in strokes game putting last year. Um I think he I think he finished leaving. And I feel like his his iron play, his ball striking was starting to really come around towards the end of the year. So I think Denny McCarthy in terms of trajectory, is definitely on the rise. Uh, and a player who in a field like this, I think can really start to take over and build some confidence and go on to have a great year.
1: 66 to one via our friends over at will Hill. If you like Denny McCarthy, Kyle, your sleeper
2: uh, Maverick McNeely, you know, he, he kind of quietly made it to the BMW championship. We didn't really talk about him a ton last year, but he was top 70 and, um, really good short game you know for him it's going to be about can he get off the tee can he put himself in position so 60 to 1 I just I like his game I like young guys like that that they're not yet who they're eventually going to be and so you can you can imagine room for growth we've seen guys like Kevin Tway and uh, Cameron Champ and and Emiliano Grillo younger guys kind of win here like to start the year so I, I think he would kind of fit that mold of the type of player that we've seen win here pretty well
1: Sixty to one for Maverick McNeely, and I've gone a little bit deeper. Ninety to one for Wesley Bryan, who you have to remember, and you have to kind of put this into perspective. He missed like two full seasons with an injury. He had a shoulder. Uh, he had shoulder surgery. Just started to really come back. He played four events on the PGA Tour in the restart. Uh, no worse in his last three, no worse than a 31st place finish. He had two top 25s in there. Uh, I think his skill set, which unfortunately for him, he does not hit it very far. I think he can get away with that this week at Silverado and his irons were sublime in the restart. And I also like guys that can win. And I don't really care what tour it's on, where it is. You've got to be the best guy that week. Brian got his tour card through the, the three corn Ferry tour wins in one season. He won on the PGA tour. That's the type of guy I'm looking for deeper down the board. Top 10. Kyle, we'll start with you on this one. Your top 10 is who?
2: Yeah, Ches Revi. You know, I, I, he gets a little, um, you know, he's somebody who, there's not a ton of guys that play both like the the big boy events, right? Like against, yeah. uh, you know, like they finished T6 at the, at the uh, TPC Southland, right? And they kind of drop down and play the Safeway, which is a, a little bit lesser event. So I kind of like that. Because it, it, it's going to seem like, oh, there's, I don't see DJ running around here. I don't see John Rahm running around here. So uh, I like him uh, because of his course history, because of that fact I just gave, and because he's been playing pretty good golf throughout the end of the
1: summer. I, I do like these guys that are like, oh, yeah, they might be the 50th or 40th best player in like a big boy field, and now they're like the third best player. Yeah. Like, lick, licking their chops trying to yeah. get that W. Uh, Greg, your top 10 is? Harold Varner
3: III, he, he is a player who's ready to take the next step. Uh, he's been playing some good golf towards the end of the summer as well. Uh, tied 29th at the PGA, tied 7th at the Wyndham with four rounds in the 60s. He missed the cut at the Northern Trust, but rounds of uh, 71-69, I don't think that's a sign of poor play. I think it's just uh, a little bit cool with the putter, which, as we all know, that can heat up in a hurry. Kyle mentioned this earlier, 8th in strokes game TV green for the year. Um, ahead of DJ. I, I, yeah, it's it's uh, remarkable. It's that, crazy. Yeah, probably has something to do with DJ's start to the year. Maybe has something to do with the rounds of 80, 80, and 78. <laughs> that he shot. They may hurt the numbers just a little bit.
1: I want HV3 to win so bad this year. I hope I happens. I do too. Um, Greg, I'm actually going to go to you on your pick to win because your pick to win is my top 10, but I'd like to offer you the stage to declare your winner.
3: Okay, Uh, I I was hoping to steal a little bit of your info, Um, but we'll we'll, we'll flip the script here. So Cameron Davis, again, we talked about this a little bit earlier. Uh, He's been playing great golf. You look at the tied 12th at 3M, tied 15th at the Wyndham, tied 29th at the Northern Trust. He's a player who, um, and and all of that is coming off of four missed cuts. So he, he clearly found something in his game, and he's starting to hit the ball really well. Uh, I love the golf swing. Absolutely love the golf swing. I love how many birdies he makes. He's 23rd in birdie average last year, which I I think is extremely important um, when you're trying to win a a first PGA Tour event. And Kyle said this earlier. I think he kind of fits the mold of the type of player who gets a first win here mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, and he's long. He a- averages 308 off the tee, which a lot of the past winners have shorter hitters can contend here, but distance is still an advantage. And, and I think he's going to take advantage of that this week.
1: Yeah, I'm on board. I, I like the raw talent. I like the birdie ability. And I, I just think that, you know, kind of in a similar vein as HV three, these guys who knock on the door a couple times and fail, start to build up that scar tissue. I think we saw, I think Cam Davis touched the lead at Wyndham and then he kind of ejected a little bit and things went awry, but that's all good experience. Uh, so Kyle, we're going to go to you. Oh man, you really can't quit this guy for your pick to win.
2: Well, so I was going through the field. I was going through some of the numbers and I was like, man, I kind of like Seawood this week. And then I looked at the odds and I realized he's the favorite. And I was like, ah, I don't like this as much, but uh, yeah, you know, again it's it's the win equity thing right he's one of players he's he 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 know like he's been in those moments before and i, I just think in a field like that i mean look he's finished in t13 at the pga uh, great week at windham this is more of a Wyndham type event where there's not the huge names but there's still some pretty decent names
1: and i think we get another week like that uh, out of sea with this week I like it. Um, I I went with Joel Damon. So as as discussed earlier in the matchups, I just think he's trending well. This feels like the type of event as Joel Damon now very much in the prime of his career could potentially take down. And one and done. Are we starting a new one and done? This week. Yes. I'm getting the head nod from producer Jacob. So Greg, your victory is uh short lived because we're all back, <laughs> all back to zero baby. And we'll all try to be the Ducharme slayer this time around. So Greg, we're going to have to, you have to divulge your leans early because you are the defending champion.
3: Yeah, this is the uh the burden I happily carry this year. So, um uh, what I would say is I spent a lot of time in the off season really honing yeah. my skills, working on my game. Uh, got a little bit of rest, but but I got back to work uh, fairly recently. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go it's hard not to go with your winning pick, especially when it's Cam well, Davis. I'm going to go with Cam Davis. And it's yeah, the first see.
1: event, it's the first event of the year you have every single golfer available to you. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Um, well, not everyone, not everybody's playing there, Rick, but
1: that's true, uh, but imagine we have to make we have to make fifty picks this year. <laughs> We're gonna run out of golfers. <laughs> this is gonna be crazy. Um, I I so I'm between so I think. Joel Damon, obviously my pick to win, but uh, the popular pick will be Brendan Steele. He's the most natural fit. We talk about that a lot in terms of natural fits, like Webb at Wyndham, Hideki at Waste Management. Like Brendan Steele is the most natural fit. I imagine he will be one of the most popular picks this week as well. Kyle, your one-and-done leans consist of?
2: It's either going to be Siwu or HV3. And I think that you want to pick the guy that you don't think – could get super hot and and be like really good later in the year. Right. And I can, I can envision that more for Siwoo than I can for Varner. So I might, I might go with HV3 this week. Uh,
1: I think that's, I'm, I'm growing more optimistic every time we mention HV3 here that, that this is going to be a good week for him. Um, Best bets, Greg, you've already divulged your best bet, which is Brendan Steele over Jordan Spieth at minus 125, I believe. Uh, Kyle, so we're going to go to you for your best bet.
2: Yeah, I had Chez over Emiliano Grillo, uh, and I think Chez is plus 100 over Grillo. Did we
1: talk about that one earlier?
2: Yeah, we did, and we all took Chez,
1: so there you go. No surprise there. I'm going with doc Redman, top 10, three and a half to one on my money. I like Damon. I like doc. They were pitted against one another in a matchup. I love the way doc is trending. And I think that'll do it boys. Super season.
2: I got one last thing. I got a yeah. confess. I got a confession about last season. Oh no. I changed my player of the year. To I wrote, I wrote it up on Monday or on Tuesday. I still got the days messed up. I wrote it up on Tuesday. It's on CBSSports.com right now. I went with John Rom. Okay, why? really? Yeah. So here was my thinking. He only played 14 events. He had eight top 10s. And he won two guys. He won two events that were kind of like majors. Yeah. Right. Muirfield village and Olympia fields. And we're talking about, I loved Greg's point about how DJ's tour championship was like a fake win. Kind of, I mean, <laughs> not, not really, but kinda. And then JT wins these like small field events, which I get it. they it, that, that I'm not discounting that He still won three times. But John Rahm won like kind of, I mean, one of them was a small field event, the, the BMW, but they were, they were, I love wins on big boy courses, like big time courses, like Olympia fields and Muirfield uh, village. And he won those. And I, I just, I don't know. You, you look at you, first in strokes gain uh, overall ahead of JT. So I don't know. I, I could be talking to anybody, but that was my ultimate pick.
1: First of all, this article has most memorable shot, most forgotten win, funniest moment. Which, by the way, you got that one wrong. But I won't spoil it. You got to go to cbsports.com <laughs> and read this. Wait, what? What was the funniest? Mackenzie Hughes. Yeah, got it as the runner-up. That was J at Honda. <laughs> That was your funniest moment. <laughs> we're sure. gonna need we're gonna need an episode just to go through these. I love every single one of these superlatives: best player, most improved, best rookie, best tour. Tw- oh, this is this is phenomenal. Okay, CBSports.com. Go check that out. That's Kyle Porter. You can find him on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. Greg Dushar, do you have anything you want to confess before we go?
3: <laughs> no <laughs> confessions.
1: Oh, I thought I could get you. I'm there. keeping
3: it tight to the chest.
1: Greg Dushar. Yeah, the I'm real- still I'm still on JT. He he's. Keegan Bradley made
2: nine birdies at Wingfoot, didn't yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah in, inside <laughs>
3: scoop. Uh,
1: at the real GFD for Greg Ducharme, you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.